0: So I have an interesting story to start off with. I was in my office the other day, and I went home, and I get home, and my wife's phone starts beeping. And uh, it has an interesting ringtone. And she looks at it and says, like, the call was for me. Well, the problem is, is that I didn't have my phone, and I wasn't calling her. And so immediately I had this thought, who has my phone? And so, uh, as many of us are, are wont to do, you go through the whole conflict of somebody has my phone, somebody has my phone, and this is my hero's phone. This isn't just another type of phone. This is a phone you can do your laundry on, okay? It's, it's ridiculous, but yet it's actually older. And so I, I, I was really distressed about who had my phone. It's a point where I actually texted. I said, uh, if you leave it at 188 Southridge in the mailbox, I won't press charges. So I didn't say it like that, but so I do this. And I'm obsessing a little bit. And so, (laughs) I get in the car. My wife says, why don't you just drive, you know, check and see if it's at work. I'm like, the church is locked. There's no one there. And I go into my office. Sure enough, my phone's there. Now, keep in mind that this thing was, (laughs) it was about 10 minutes, 15 minutes after I left the church and went home that my phone rang and there was no one here. And I'm thinking, How? But you know, it was interesting because my perspective in that moment, my perspective was a little bit of fear, a little bit of trepidation. And then it was like, oh my gosh, an angel just dialed my number. And I thought, I have two ways of looking at this. I cannot share this on Sunday. And basically, you know, the the thought is, am I going to sound weird telling this story? Or am I going to say, maybe, just maybe, God showed up and cared about the minutest little details of my life and dialed the phone so I wouldn't stress out. I chose that to share, because that's my perspective. Make sense? Does anybody understand? Have you guys have little things in your life that just, I mean, crazy stuff? I mean, favor isn't fair, folks. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I thought, well, thank you, Jesus. You know, I do not have to stress out about that. And so uh, we're in a series called Perspective. And the idea is, is that there's two ways of looking at life. There's our perspective, and there's God's perspective. Last week, we talked about inventory. Many of you know I'm an ex-drunk. Uh, I, I work the 12 steps, and then the fourth step, it says you take an inventory. When you look at your inventory on paper, it can get ugly, especially if you're in a, a drunk. Okay? And so, uh, what I asked in, in, in similar fashion of you last week, those of you who are here, uh, you can also get it on the podcast, www.lifechurchtv.com. And so, and so... <laughs> Uh, last week, I asked you to look at some of the areas in 2011 that you were not winning at. And you have to be honest about these shortcomings. And some of them, if you're not clear on some of your issues and some of the things that, that you face, just ask a significant other, in case like my wife, who's very good at taking my inventory and letting me know where I'm missing it. Does anyone have that here? But she's wonderful and she can take my inventory anytime. All that to say, once we see on paper where we're struggling, then the natural thing is we need to make a course correction and get the blueprint to win. And so this week, I want to talk to you about 2012 and something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is to get the perspective that God wants you to have to win in your life. So turn your Bibles to Matthew 13 and we can put it up on the screen. And. Uh, I want to talk to you about, this is Jesus talking here in Matthew 13. And I want to say this. When we took our inventory last week, we had five areas that I believe if you can get revelation on, it will absolutely change your life. One is simply reading the Bible. Where were you at? I challenged you last week to take an honest look at how much and how little you read. I asked you about your giving, your biblical stewardship. Take an honest look. I'm not to beat you up over it just to analyze it. I asked you to look at your uh, service you know, is it all about you? Is it all about the church? Is it all about God? Or is it all about just getting by? I ask you about all these things. I ask you about uh, a number of factors to look at. But if you get connectivity with the church, if you come to church, if you read his word, you serve and you give, that will take care of a lot of problems. If we just get the basics done right, then uh, the fights with the wife won't happen as much. The fights with the hubby won't happen as much. The bosses and the the triggering and the, and you get what I'm saying. God has a way of of, of positioning you for a great outcome in 2012. We just have to get the basics down. So that was the inventory we talked about last week. This week, Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus is talking and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hit it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, which means it's important, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now there's two thoughts to this that I want to talk about, and there's some questions that I'm going to ask you about that I want you to to, to look at. But in this first interpretation, I want to I want to show you something that I didn't actually see before. My original interpretation of that scripture was that we—he was talking to us—that we can buy the field and that we have this pearl of great price and that, and that there's treasure in it. And he's talking to us. What the Lord illuminated to me is this: in Jewish rabbinical law, it is customary that if you find a treasure, and in those times they buried, they didn't have Wells Fargo. They buried their stuff in the ground. I mean, a lot of times they'll they'll be, you know, they didn't have different banks, uh, Nikolai Bank and all these other places. They had, like, they would put their treasures in hiding. Well, under rabbinical law, if I stumbled across a treasure, if I found the treasure, let's say the field was on fire and I rescued a treasure, a Van Gogh painting or something, uh, Picasso, I, I, I can pull the treasure out, but then it goes to the owner under Jewish rabbinical law. The owner gets it. It's not finders keepers. So, uh, likewise, in this parable, Jesus is talking, and he's actually, there's two ways to look at this, and they're both right, but he's also, he's talking about himself. He is the man in the story. The field, the earth is his field, and the treasure is you. The treasure and the pearl is you. And it says in there that he bought it with a great price. How many of you know Jesus paid a great price for us? He bought back what was taken. You say, well, Ryan, how is he taken? He's God. When Adam sinned in the garden, he committed high treason. He turned over his privileges. He turned over his authority. Sin separated him from God. So Jesus, the enemy of our soul, the devil, had a legal right. He owned us. Jesus came, paid that price, ransomed us, and bought back our privileges, our salvation, Our healing, hallelujah, amen. Now, likewise, because he paid such a great price, the other side of it does include us. And what he's asking is, I mean, think this, think think this through. Do we really have anything that we can give God other than our hearts? He owns it all. So the only thing that he wants is us. And so we can't pay the price Jesus had to. What he's saying to us, this is very clear. This is the other interpretation. The field and the treasure in the field is Jesus. And Jesus is the pearl. He is the treasure. But there are objections, how many would understand, to buying treasure in our society. And there's three things that I want to illuminate out of this. This is the other aspect. The first one is this. Uh, God isn't real. That's the one you hear. God doesn't exist You hear this atheist. Uh, if he is real, which I don't believe he is, there's too much suffering and pain. Therefore, God is not real. Here's an example of how the world views it. You guys remember in the 1980s that Pablo Rivera did a made-for-TV event on Al Capone's vault. And he... I mean, the hype and the buildup was um, phenomenal. Ratings-wise, it was a blockbuster. I mean, they thought they were going to buy treasure. They opened that supper out after blasting it. There's nothing. There. And I think, in many ways, God's church today is selling a Jesus that isn't there, and there's treasure that they're trying to sell that isn't there. We are not selling. We are not. Hy- we are hyping the wrong things. We're telling people that that Jesus. Uh, that Jesus is only for a blessing club. Now, Jesus cares about where you're at. He cares about your finances. You can't come to this church and not feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get healed, empowered, set free. That's all yes and amen. And eternal relationship with Him. Wonderful. But the world doesn't believe our message because we acknowledge Him with our lips, but we deny Him by our lifestyle. So, on one hand, the world is looking at us and our responsibility and saying, well, behind the vault, there's nothing there. There is no treasure. And, and, and what I want the church to understand is we need grace. We need power to live out our lives. We can't do spot without Christ. We can't. But with his power, we can do all things. And our message needs to line up with our actions and the, that's where the rubber meets the road. So this world looks at us and goes, I don't believe the message. There's nothing, there's no treasure I want there. In fact, I know Sister Susie so-and-so and uh, Brother Bob, and Brother Bob and Sister Susie, and see, they're more mean and nasty as a Christian. I don't want anything to do with that. Have you ever met people like that before? Turn to your neighbor and say, that is not me. <sighs> so, you can say a about Laughter Okay, so that's objection number one. Objection number two, and this is this is one here. And, I, and sometimes I write these things in in here just so that I want to make sure that I that I get. It. So so we we've been lied to about the treasure. Point number two, we've been lied. So if they have that objection, then here's the second objection: is that yeah, there's I believe in God, but it's of my own understanding. Okay. Can we put up a photo, I want to show this, in 1849. How many of you heard the gold rush? By 49 there's gold in them, there are hills. And so, do we have that uh, photo, Nikki? We can put that up there. I want to show you pyrite, and I want to show you gold. Now, I mean, looking at this, on the surface of things, this is being completely transparent. I wouldn't know if I put, if that was gold and that was pyrite, and I flipped the letters. I don't know if I would get it. I really don't. I would probably be fooled. That's why they call it fool's gold. And here's the the thing I, I want to illustrate to you about that, is that Christianity is not religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we sell people religion, we're selling them fool's gold. But when we sell them the grace of Jesus, we're selling them the treasure. Here's the third objection. I like the treasure, I don't want to buy the field. Because in the field, there's things in the field. So here's the third objection. The third objection is, Ryan, I like the fact that I, I want the gold, I've seen the gold, I know it's no longer hidden to me, I see it, but I don't want to sell it all to get it because there's crispy critters in that field. There's manure in that field. There's Rattlesnakes in that field. There's scorpions in that field. But you're saying, if you want the treasure under the law, you have to buy the field. And what I'm saying to you very clearly is, we can't just love Jesus, the third person here. We can't just love Jesus and not love his people. When you buy Jesus, you buy the field. When you take what he's offering, you buy the field. And that means coming to church sometimes and and a conversation goes like this. And, and, you know, hopefully our ushers and greeters are very kind to you. I hope that. But, you know, what what it means when you buy the field is this. If if they don't say hello to me and they're not nice to me. And and he looked at me funny. Pastor, he mentioned offerings 6.7 times in this particular. That's, that or, or he, he talked about he talked about serving. I serve. There's little rattlesnakes that can come along and you bear your soul to in church. And boy, that sucker just grabs onto your heel and it won't let go. Anybody ever been bit by a rattler in church before? Ask me how I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're being nasty. I mean, you know, kind of. And the worst part is, is that you have to be pleasant about it while you're shooting it. You know, you just shoot the rattler and you kick them out. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to kick you out. and I'm not saying that everybody's a rattlesnake. What I am saying is, you can't have the treasure without buying the field. And in the field, you'll have rattlers, you'll have scorpions, you'll have manure. I'm not going to cuss. I've been delivered. I did that a lot, years ago, I mean, before I came to Christ I mean. I was so bad, I would take four little words, and I was in a good mood, and I would say, yeah, I'm going to go down to the bleeping store and pick up some bleeping milk. Would you like some, too? (laughs) Bleeping A! (laughs) (laughs) Now, first of all, grace of Jesus just just forgives me. I mean, I'm just using that to illustrate where I was at. I really don't. I don't, uh, well, I can't say that I have never cussed as a Christian. I can't say that. But he gave me a heart change. I mean, my my point is this, though. Uh, when we're in the context of church culture, you will be let down. You will be backstabbed. You will be talked about. You will be betrayed. Ask Jesus. He knows. You will be hurt. You will be wounded. You'll be shot at, beaten up, busted, disgusted. But if you want the treasure, you've got to buy the field. Ryan, you're not doing a real good cell job on coming to Life Church, are you? Yeah, I really want to go there. But that's the dirty little secret that no one wants to tell you when you're selling church. And we've told men that for years. Here's what I'll tell you. You get real with Jesus, he'll get real with you. God's not looking for pew warmers. He's looking for world changers. I'm looking for a few good men. It is the year of the dude. (laughs) The dude must run. He will rise. Oh, he will. And, and what I'm tired of is I, I watch TV. I, 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 you know, I don't watch it as much, um, but I see guys. I mean, watch a sitcom. Watch those suckers. I mean, the the guy. It's like he he has the brain of a four year old, and they make him look so puny. And you know, I mean, can I can I say they can I say castrate the they castrate the guy? They do, him. And I don't like that. It, it, it bothers me. Because Jesus created us to lead guys. Here's a stat. Here's an interesting thing 97% of the men who attend church, if they make a decision for Christ, 97% of the time the whole family follows. Fact, statistic 97%. I looked around in the first hour, we had more females here. I looked around this hour, I actually see quite a few guys here. But we need more. And if I'm a guy, okay, kitty, you're talking big. But here's the truth if you're selling something, you've got to show me the value of what I'm buying if I'm going to buy that field, if I'm going to endure that stuff, if I'm going to, well, then my job is to present the true, authentic Jesus. Here's the truth you will have problems, you will have scorpions you will have unbelievable supernatural power to overcome every single one of those problems. You will have unbelievable power to lead your families. You will have unbelievable power to walk in a level that you've never thought possible. In the piggy little behaviors, in the areas where you're weak, He will show up and give you strength. <clears throat> that is a promise. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I think, this is my thought, I think that we have got to do a better job of communicating that to men. Now, this isn't to mean that, women, you don't matter. You matter greatly. I value women in the church so much, so I have two female pastors on staff and a wonderful wife who I like to put up here. And we have a female worship leader. Hello. But what I am saying is that, guys, it is our time. And how do we do that? How do we present... Well, if I'm a guy, I don't want to buy what you're selling unless I see that you live what you're saying. So, how do I get in there? Well, Iron Man is something that God dealt with me over the holidays. That's like, okay, let's celebrate the wins here. We're a three-year-old church. We got a building here. It's a, just a miracle. I mean, it's just a miracle. We 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 have ministries going, we have life groups, people are, are getting healed, they're talking, they're connecting, things are happening. And yet, for about two weeks, I was just grieved in my spirit. because I'm thinking, well, what's this? And, and it was, that's why I said a new year. It is the year of the new year. Because we've got to get guys to understand that they're deeply loved by God. Have you ever asked a guy to share his feelings, ladies? How'd that work for you? You know what we do? We show up at breakfast. Great. 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 That's working Great. I uh-huh. yeah, slayed a good path. Got six sales this week. Great. We like to slay the dragon, and we love it when you tell us how to you it. I mean, well done. Oh, that was why that was the best sermon ever. Even though know, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. uh, we love it. We love it when, ladies, you 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 champion us. Let me let me just challenge you for a second, ladies, on this. one, The more you tell them. Who he is in Christ, the more he will be that. You start criticizing every little thing he does, he will become what you criticize even more. Amen. Fast. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> Bruce, that was way too loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 There's blessing in the field. There's blessing in the field. A couple of notes that I wrote down, just because I don't want to forgive. Key points. There's blessing in the field. There's healing in the field. There's hope in the field. There's peace. I have hope in the field. There's (laughs) eternal life in the field. I was going to transition into another topic here. But But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our culture gives us the cheap counterfeit. For instance, guys that are coming up through even the church culture. Let's say you grew up in church for years. Uh, you have one guy that, that, that will watch those on TV. We'll see Victoria's Secrets commercials all over the place. The guy who was in church and the guy who wasn't in church. We're kidding ourselves if both guys at that age, without proper defenses, we're kidding ourselves if they're both not going to move. Can we be real? But men, I can teach you how to defeat that. You say, well, I don't want to be defeated by that. <laughs> but like that. God gave us wonderful natural things. But you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, it's like a fire. A fire is nice and cozy in its proper place. You get that sucker outside of the pit, and that thing can burn everything. Out. That's 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 how society that they don't tell you when they when they say about, hey, well, you know, you can is going to do it. Cheap sex. Hey, if it doesn't cost you. Let me say this. What i learned, sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you way more than you ever want to go. I know this to be true. Been there, done that. And what I'm saying to guys is this. And this isn't for the guys, but this is to keep it in perspective uh, that guys have to leave. We have to lead, but a guy is not going to follow someone that is a phony. They just won't. They'll send it out just like that. We have to be transparent, and my, my, my heart for this year is to get guys connected. We have a lot of leaders in our church, and what God was kind of dealing with me is, you've got all these leaders in the church, you just need to get them all together and give them a tribal setting, and that's why this men's breakfast thing in two months, February 25th will be our first one, Saturday morning, at 8 a.m. Ladies, send your guys there. And if we're not creating value for them, and guys, if it sucks, don't come. But I'm, I'm putting pressure on the Lord, uh, who I'm, I'm believing God for his power to show up in that, When we have these tenant discussions. And by the way, if you do send your man there, the first thing, you better not ask your guy when they come back is we talk. Um. No! You guys get together, ladies, all the time, and <laughs> this is our time. How would you like to share your feelings? <laughs> but give them about two years. <laughs> and the door will open. You know, I mean, I we're just complicated. Point. We're complicated like that. Perspective though. My idea is this. Get people connected. Get guys connected. And if we can get the guys, we get the families. We get the families, we change the culture. It's that simple. But it's going to take time. And no, men's ministry isn't easy. Women's ministry isn't easy. The thing you gotta remember is the reason we do all this, why the worship teams do this. Why we do all this is because the treasure is you. You're the treasure. And when I'm up here pouring out my guts. I'm doing it for the Lord, and I'm doing it for you. When you're out there greeting people at the door, you're doing it for the Lord, and you're doing it for others. And you're doing it for yourself. You know, we have a saying here, ministry, we don't use people to do ministry. We don't use people to get ministry done. We use ministry to get people done. And that's why when God says, by feel, field, there's treasure in that field. Because when the chips are down, that person, after just getting bit by a scorpion, there's another person there who God will send your way to help you heal. And I have had friends over the years, as a, as a disciple of God, when I'm really down, it is phenomenal how he will dispatch a person in the right place at the right time to encourage me. That's treasure. And so, I close with this. A couple things that I want you to, to, to understand. The kids' ministry. There's treasure in that field. When we ask people to serve, or I ask parents, hey, once out of every five, four, five, six weeks, maybe just help out the workers down there. Because we're trying to minister to kids. We're giving them a, a vision of what we want them to know. We want you to engage your, your kids. We're going to talk more about that next week. A little bit. But why, why do we do what we do? Because we're not just here just to be pew owners. We want to engage a culture. My heart bleeds for this culture. The greeters are the field. The advisory board is the field. The youth ministry is the field. Our facilities team is the field. Your neighbor is the field. I mean, I found that hope has an incredible ability, an uncanny ability. I call it the army to, to meet someone in and, and my own church. She's actually better <laughs> than me. I'm not really that good. I have to work. But see, I treasure the fruit of the field more than my own ego. I had to get over me. Did anybody relate to this? But how do I get motivated when I've just been in the field and, and I've stepped in manure and I've gotten bit by a rattler and I'm wounded, I'm down, I'm busted, disgusted, and I've had my earballs full of church people. Where's the few good heathen? Let's have a break. I see it everywhere. I've seen it in this church. I've seen people come. I've seen people go. Uh, but you know, it's a wide kingdom. We have different people in different parts of the body. The last thing I want to do is sting my brother in the field. But sometimes we get stung. And I I want to say that, especially to the men, in this hour, this is our time. We've been stung. Culture beats us up. We have phenomenal pressure on us both financially, sexually, visually, Relationally, guys, we're in an hour we've never seen before. And that's why I say the dude must rise. We have got to live by the Spirit of God. And it is not about following the rules. There is no expectation here of you doing church perfectly here 24/7. Now, with that said, can you give your pastors that same praise? Because we're people too. And I promise you, do not put even mom up a little higher here. You put me on a pedestal. I promise you, I will let you down. You don't follow me; you follow Jesus. So, if I'm bringing correction in any area of, of, of your life, here's what you have to understand: our pastor's heart. It's why we do what we do. I didn't have problems when I was in broadcast industry. We do it for you. We do it because if we see a glaring, gaping hole in your walk with God, we're not there to beat you up just to make you feel bad. We're there because we know that you have great treasure here. We need to walk in your inheritance and in their great We want to prune you and help you. We have to be real about it. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor Ryan, you've hit on a lot of stuff. I want to first with the hurts. I believe there's some people who've been significant hurt in church here. I want you to raise your hand up. With heads bowed and eyes closed, raise it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. thank you father in Jesus name I just break every hurt I break every curse every weapon formed against them we silence it we thank you God we lose the peace of God over them we thank you for healing then there's there's healing and trust is restored not in people but in you and then they're buying a the few in Jesus name that's and eyes closed we say Ryan uh, I've really struggled with taking that next step. I mean, I like church. I come, I attend, and that's about it. But I, I really don't connect in life groups, which this church does everything they can. Pastor Mary works tirelessly great life group environments for people grow you as a disciple. But you say, you know, really, honestly, Ryan, I haven't looked at that as treasure, and I've missed it. It depends about eyes closed You say, well, Maybe I have missed it, but I want to engage more. I, I do need to engage me more, and you're speaking right to me. That's my last book. Would you raise your please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. i want to tell you honestly that is an awesome opportunity to get connected with people. I'm not saying well, you will all be perfect. I'm saying it's a great way to get in touch with people. To grow this Father, I pray over them. Thank you They're honest. I ask that they risk it. I ask that they engage with a life group culture here. Nine. As bowed, eyes close, the most important question of all: Where are you at with your relationship with Jesus? Not the church, not asking you to join Life Church. Just asking you a simple question: Are you right with God? Do you want Him in your heart? Do you want to live for Him? And I know that some of you that may be a raging internal question, and you may not be willing. You're saying, "I don't even know if I believe this." It's a step of faith. But I promise you, the treasure is in the people. When you buy the field, we get to treasure. You say, well, I've been hurt. Church people aren't perfect. Take that step. If that's you, and we know that you need to get right with God and engage Him on a deeply personal level, we can help you to facilitate that process. If that's you, people, we can in the world. Thank you at the end of the service, we have a Bible we want to give you. The New Testament is our gift to you. Please go ahead and give it to you and look at those languages man, we want to, we want to, everybody in this room, let's say this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace, thank you for your power to forgive my sin and heal my. I purpose for now to live for you. And where my perspective might have been off, I change my perspective. I consider it in Jesus' name. Amen.